Hello, and welcome to the Alt Left. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, this is going to be a fun episode. I think you're going to really like it. We actually had a special guest on, Daniel Wilson. He's running for California State Assembly. Uh, you're going to find he's very far left for a running politician. Uh, I like everything he stands for. Uh, he's a good dude. We had a great time with him. You will notice that it's just Kay and I. Uh, Matt is not here because Matt just had a bundle of joy. So he is at home doing anything but sleeping. And so he was not able to do this because he is double duty taking care of his wife and his new daughter. So uh, make sure you congratulate him on the comments and uh, you'll have to put up with just me and Kay talking to a politician this week. But thank you for being here and I hope you like it. Right, Kay? Yeah, it was uh, really nice talking with Daniel. Great, and, shut up and uh, get back to editing. All right, fine. Welcome back, everybody, to episode 60 of the Alt-Left. We've actually got an awesome guest today. We're continuing our tradition of getting uh, a politician on here every few months. And uh, today we've got Daniel Wilson of Ventura County running for state assembly. Uh, go ahead and say hi, Daniel. Hi, Daniel. <laughs> hello, hello. Right as he's taking a drink of water, bro. Right. <laughs> I, I was poor time. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so the reason we've got Daniel on, uh, he's crazy progressive, super inclusive, you know, his basically, I mean, if I can speak for you here, I looked up and I spent the last couple of days looking up your platform and getting to know it. Um, and what I really like about it is it is not, again, what I, something I actually typically struggle. I know you're, uh, you're really allied with the, the democratic socialists, but something I actually really struggle with them with is that it's just kind of token bourgeois reform. Yeah. And that's not what you're advocating for. You're advocating for uh, complete renovations of entire systems. Like you don't want access to healthcare. You don't want cheaper healthcare. You want healthcare as a human right. Yeah. Um, I'm showing here you want housing as a human right. You want yeah. employment education as a human right. And and those are those are radical even amongst democratic socialists. I'm assuming I got all that right, but that's, yeah. you know, for our listeners, that's why we've got them on. This is going to be awesome. So instead of me speaking for you, tell us what you're all about. Sure. Um, well, all, all of that was absolutely accurate. And um, to be honest, I have those same same gripes with uh, DSA um, National. And when I first um, got more interested in politics and decided and when I started considering a run, I actually reached out to some people in the in the DSA National and asked, you know, is there any intention of you all becoming a party? Um, and they said, no, we're just building our basically our, our, our foundation, our ground game right now. But this was just uh, a year, year and a half ago. So, I mean, they've been around for for a number of years. They're not they're not like some of the, the, the forward party or the movement for a people's party or the California party. So the, that are just now forming within the last two years. So I thought that was kind of, you know. I was like, all right, whatever, that, that's y'all's, y'all's decision. And so I actually went and I worked with the movement for a People's Party for a while, not as a candidate, but as a, as a local activist, just trying to get things done. During the pandemic, we, we protested at our, our congressional representative's house for um, the, we were demanding, you know, cancel rents, cover people's mortgages, employment, uh, cover people's payroll, stuff like that. Um, we were demanding the people's stimulus. That's what it was. And so um, decided just to step away from them um, for a variety of reasons. And my experience both with them working with DSA and just watching everything happen in our country, um, I realized that, oh, and also this was the, 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 the big key that, that finalized my decision. Because when I first started running, everybody was like, you have to run as a Democrat or there's no chance. You're just wasting your time. 
And what I found with all these, this work that I was doing, not only with the People's Party, with other groups, um, with DSA. So I would say you're absolutely right about DSA National. My local DSA has been on the ground doing some really awesome stuff. Um, we did a, a statewide day of action, um, every statewide day of action last year for CalCare. We co-hosted, my campaign co-hosted with DSA uh, Venture County. Fully agree with, with the national that, that they're kind of toothless and not standing up for especially with force to vote. That was, that was the final nail for me with, with DSA when I knew that they weren't, they weren't even supporting something from their own playbook. Um, and we can have a talk about the, the, the arbiters of force to vote, but the process and the, you know, the, the leverage that you can use. Um, I, I 100% agree with the idea of forcing a vote. Yeah. And I mean, you actually, I, I forgot who it was. You, you kind of went off on, it was, it was, um, Ask it was Ash Kara. Ash Kara. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, about how they basically said like, oh, we don't have enough to win. So we're just going to stop trying. And yeah. I don't know. I, I realized that, I mean, I don't know. I, I like that you took that stance uh, of saying that, that not having enough votes to win is an even better reason to hold a vote. Because how, again, you know, we all know that sunshine is the best disinfectant and you got to shine a light on these bastards and put that on their voting record. And I I like that you went after them. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, And so what I would say is that so all all of my experience with with all of those groups and all those different things. And then I volunteered at the polls um, 2016, 2018 and then 2019, I actually got hired at my local county elections office and I ran the supply warehouse there. Uh, We put on three elections in 2020. And Mm -hmm. so between working in an elections office, meeting with voters and people out in public and and having conversations about everything going on between the pandemic, our economy, everything, we would have these conversations and they would always start the same, you know, no matter what you said, there was, oh, well, you're just a stupid Democrat or, oh, you're just a dumb Republican. And I would say, well, actually, no, I'm, (laughs) I'm neither. And instead of them, you know, they were bracing for shock, right? Ready, ready for a fight. And then they just wait, what? You you can do that? And yeah, you can actually. You don't have to be a part of this system, the, the political party system. We still have to be a part of our voting system. Yeah. No, we're big on abandoning the two-party system. We talk yeah. all the time that, you know, by sitting here and railing against the right wing and Republicans and people are like, well, Joe Biden. So I was like, no, fuck Joe Biden too. Like, we don't, we don't my like favorite, the Democratic My party. favorite is the shock after that when they're like, oh, yeah. wait, well, um, they're and, completely fiberglass. They have no idea what to do. And all of a sudden you're on their side about something. And then you get to have a conversation instead of an argument. And yeah. that is, that was what really solidified my decision. I already was frustrated with the democratic party, both 2016, 2020. I was never, um, I've been a non-voter my entire life. The first election I ever participated in was also a stolen election in 2004 with uh, Gore and Bush and the hanging chads in Florida. So after that, I was like, I'm done. This doesn't matter. They're just going to steal it anyway. Um, you know, fast forward, I didn't vote even while I served in the military until 2016. Um, Bernie Sanders is what uh, is who and what awoken me. After, after 2020, I was registered as a Democrat up until 2020. The day he withdrew from the primary, I changed my registration to other I said, I'm done with with all of this. They're never going to let us do what we need to do and what what the people of this country need. Not as long as we keep voting for them. Right. No. Right. And, no. And so the, the there's two points in that. One, nobody who's profiting from a system is ever going to do something to change it. Right. So until we get money out, until we do these things, we're never going to be able to change the, the power dynamic in our political system. 
but the people that are in there aren't going to propose legislation that's going to do that. Even with all these bills that um, are for banning stocks in, in Congress, which I am 100% for, none of them should be allowed to own stocks, have any corporate ties, have anything, no corporate ownership. I don't care if you sign it off to your son. No, you have to completely divest of everything to go into public service. That is the sacrifice you make to go into public service. But there's now, what, four or five different bills. They're all different. There's, it's so confusing. Nobody knows what's going on. And half of them aren't even going to go far enough to do anything. And so, yeah, so until we have nonpartisan people, people who aren't politically affiliated, people who can't be controlled by either party and are only beholden to their voters, that's the only way we're going to get this legislation proposed. That's the only way somebody's going to have the courage and the confidence to propose and put this these legislations up for a vote. I don't care about embarrassing Democrats who are going to vote no. I don't care about embarrassing Republicans who are going to vote no, because then I'm going to be the one leading the primary challenge against anybody who stood against people's legislation. With a record yeah. showing that you're willing to vote for, for what's right. Like, that's the thing is you'll, by forcing the vote, not only do you shame the people who won't vote for it, but you empower those who are willing to put their, their nickel down on the right side of history, you know? Absolutely. They're, they're focusing on, and this is, this is one of my biggest complaints with the Democrat, other than the cheating and the robbing and the stealing. Um, they're never leading and controlling the narrative. They're constantly responding. They're constantly on defense. And once a narrative has been set, you can talk till you're blue in the face. Most people aren't going to hear the retort, just like a retraction. Most people are only going to see the main article. Yeah. They're not going to see the small print retraction later. And so they, they suck at messaging. They're not unified on anything. And they're just, instead of playing defense, we need to be playing offense. We need to be leading the narrative. We need to be controlling the dialogue and calling these people out and running and being scared and focusing on, oh, I might embarrass somebody. Well, what about all of the, the, I was just listening to Brianna Joy Gray's interview with Ash Kalra today, where she nailed him to the wall and held his feet to the fire, answer these questions. And, you know, he kept saying that he had 26 to 28 solid yeses. Why are you more concerned with the people that you're going to embarrass than you are with the people who you could bolster and guarantee their reelection, guarantee that they get the contributions that they need? Um, and so he's not saying that he's worried about embarrassing people. He's saying that he was more concerned with the legislation surviving, but no matter whether it passed or failed, you can put it up again next year. So all of that is, is on you, whether it's voted for or not. Um, his argument was that the people who voted no, it would entrench their position if we made them vote rather than leave them open to persuasion. And I just yes, think that because that's people who will vote yeah. against people having health care are, are totally open to that debate. Like it's 2022 and there's a global pandemic. If you don't decide that access to health care is a human right. No debate on the House floor is going to change that you are either right. diametrically opposed to social safety nets or. Or, or you're just bought out by you, – you suffer from campaign contribution issues, and that's it. And and a healthy debate doesn't change either of those. No, because it's, it's not going to take the money out of their campaign. Like it's, it's not it's not, it's not going to take the money out of their bank account. So the, the deal's yeah. already been done. I mean, what was it? Kristen Sinema literally leaving the Senate floor to go have uh, multi-million dollar fundraisers with big oil and, and, and lobbyists. And so literally leaving the debate. So like – even if they're having a debate, she's not listening to it. She's already got her mind made up and is on her way to go have dinner with donors. So, 
debate doesn't solve anything on the floor at the end of the day. A, a mandate no, from the masses. It never is. has. What I will say is the one good benefit of the floor debate is the public. And we are watching now more than ever. I think C-SPAN's had its highest ratings in the last two years that it's ever had in the history of C-SPAN. Well, and now because of things like YouTube, right. uh, you don't have to watch it live. You know, you can literally look up the debate on the floor and you can look up what your candidate thinks. And that's that's a that's an artifact of the present day. You couldn't do that 20 years ago. No. The accessibility, the, the ease of even if even if say it's a 12 hour thing, you skip ahead to where your representative is talking. You want to see what they said. Right. So absolutely. The flexibility and the ease of um, having it on multiple platforms, multiple sources, multiple you know ways for people to to digest and access the information. Um, yeah. And that's that's how we're holding people accountable. That's one of the ways is that's that's a record. Right. They can't say that they didn't say that. Um, we've got we've got again hate to keep nailing on her. We'll, we'll hit mansion later. But Kristen Cinema's little curtsy. We have that on the on the public record. The thumbs down to the fifteen dollar minimum wage because they made her do that, and she was absolutely destroyed in the media. Not not mainstream media, but uh, social media and 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 in in the public square for that vote. If we hadn't taken that vote, she wouldn't have suffered any of that consequence or backlash. So that's actually a perfect example of why we need to do this. Her yeah. poll numbers, I think, are the lowest. I don't know if any, but I think it was down in like the teens in, in Arizona wow. right now, her poll ratings. They're already, she can't be reelected until 2026 and they're already um, trying to get primary challengers to her in, in Arizona. They're, they're done. Oh yeah. She, she's, she's toast because uh, the fact of the matter is it, it's the only good thing about this two party juggernaut um, is she went against, you know, she went against the machine. And so she will face those consequences. And typically, I don't like saying that. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I threw up in my mouth a little bit when I said that. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, in, in her case, it's a good thing for us. Um, right. But yeah, I completely agree that getting out of that is it, it's the only hope we are. We, we are fast falling into a terrifying dystopia that no one thought would happen. Right. Um, you know, 50 years ago. Absolutely. And. And again, I think, you know, it's so funny because I think part of the, for me, at least what I hear is the big debate is, well, you need to tone it down. Well, you need to ask for less. Well, you need to this. And it's like, no, no, what I want isn't radical. It's only radical in the United States. You know, you right. say something like, for again, I'm looking at your platform here or something I, that just, I, 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 my, I fell, loved it where you wrote on the housing for all, where you're talking about how everyone needs to get housed and how you want to help first time home buyers and you want to help people who are, you know, or who are, you know, challenge on housing and you put no one sleeps on the streets and that is something you never hear you right. hear i want to help home buyers or i want to give rental assistance but it's the same kind of like access to healthcare nonsense where it's like but i'm still going to make sure it's tied to your employment right. and it's that same thing where it's like well i'm going to give assistance but you still have to find it your damn self and that kind of thing but a commitment to ending the mandate for people to sleep on the streets, to say that everyone will have access to a roof and a bed, regardless of income, yeah. is huge. Yeah. And I think that's I think that's not talked about enough. And I get it. It's like it's one of those things where it's like the Democratic Party would tell you that that's crazy talk. That's Pollyannaism. That, that that's 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 a shoot way too high. And it's like what to to not want people to die on the streets in the richest state in the union of one of the richest countries in the world where we have more houses than homeless people. Right. How is mm -hmm. that? How is that not bare minimum? So two points on that. One, there are seventeen million vacant homes. We have half a million documented, counted for. Homeless. 
Now that doesn't, that number is actually, I believe way too low because it doesn't include the, like how Bernie said, the un, uninsured and the underinsured, there's the unhoused and the underhoused. So people living in their cars and not all, also not, all, you can't, there's no way for them to know. They're not going down every back alley and talking to finding well, and, and every. And that's the thing is yeah. that's what they do is when they do the homeless census because I, I know people who do this. You know, they do the homeless census and it's, yeah, it's who they can see and it's who they can count. Right. They, they walk around to the encampments and they count, yeah. you know, 50 people and that's all that is there. Well, but well, that's, again, you know, and, that doesn't that's mean anything. visual because we have criminalized being homeless in this country. Yes. So obviously yes. people who are homeless have gotten good at staying the hell out of notice. Yes. Mm-hmm. And Absolutely. if you, just like you're saying, if you walk up and you see that lot, you count 50 people. What about the 15 cars that are full? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. So with two, with two people in it or three people in them. Right. And so the, the number is greatly low, but even if, even if we double that, like even if we say we had a million people in this country, which is probably closer to accurate, that do not have safe, secure housing, we have 17 million vacant homes. Now, that's a variety of anywhere from an apartment all the way to a mansion. And now, yeah. I hate when people, oh, you're just going to put homeless people in a mansion? Nobody said that, asshole. Nobody said that. Stop it. <laughs> you are being so hyper, hyperbolic and ridiculous. Saying and guaranteeing that everybody has a house doesn't mean that we're going to put every person in a mansion. It means that when we've got, say you've got an apartment complex down the street that your city knows it's got five vacant spots in it for a year. Well, let's put people in those five vacant spots, right? It's not about making sure, and I have this debate with people a lot, especially when they're like, oh, you're a socialist or you subscribe to socialist policies, but you drive a car. Look. <laughs> yeah. Funny, socialism. So? You want to change the world, but you live in it. <laughs> all right. So, and, and here's my retort to all of that. Socialism and socialists and people who ascribe to any of those policies or ideals to, or we do not want, it's not about making sure everyone lives in a burlap sack. It's about making and not having nice things. It's about making sure that everyone can have access to nice things. If they want it, it's about making sure that we all have a good quality standard of life and that the things that we purchase and the materials we use aren't gotten from some sort of exploitative labor, right? It's not about not buying things. It's not about not participating in our market economy. It's about exploitation, how people are paid for their work, how we're getting the things and and all of that. So it's not about socialism is about not having nice things. Socialism is about we want everybody to have nice things, but not also not for free. Because that's another argument that I've been having for all doesn't mean for free. Because you know what? We all pay our taxes. Anything you get from the government, therefore, is not free. Absolutely. Yeah, uh, that's always my favorite thing is that we pay these giant chunks of our income in taxes. And then these right wingers are, are, or even the centrists, I mean, they're 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 so pressed when that money could could be spent on bettering people's lives, and it's like, what do you think it's for? Yeah. <laughs> did you did did either of you see uh, a Ben Shapiro get owned by a ten year old? Yes, and I like uh, watching I Ben did, Shapiro get I owned did. all the time. So my favorite part is at the beginning he says the government we pay way too much money and the government gives you nothing for it. Yeah, we actually agree with you on that. So why isn't your argument, give us more stuff? Like, thank you for making my argument for me, Ben Shapiro. Why is the argument not stop spending so much money on the fucking military and politicians and and all of those things that we don't need and start spending a little bit of money on some housing, some health care? You know, some social programs, the things that that money was supposed to go to. Well, and, yeah. and it's such an obvious, I mean, again, it's, 
the the conservatives in the United States have have really stopped. You know, I've have, have just started saying the quiet part out loud all the time. Uh, what was it? Just yesterday it was the day before. I think it was yesterday when the the Nazis had a banner drop over the one hundred and one in Ventura. Uh, where they actually yeah, I did not see this. Oh, there was a huge it's, banner drop where they had they quoted Hitler. Um yeah. I mean it was bad. It was it was it was real fucking bad. Yeah. And it's getting emboldened upset. all the time. And so this idea so they're not even anymore well, I want to be fiscally responsive. And oh no, I just don't want to go into debt. Now they're literally just saying, like, well, starve. Yeah. 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 Making sure the kids have school lunch is, is um, spoiling them. Another Trevor Noah put together a little short clip where it was like, it's, it's Ronnie Chang. And it's like, it's Sean Hannity going, you know, free education, free this, free this. And then with the clips to Ronnie Chang and he's like, yeah, sign me up. Like, what's the problem with all of that? Like they keep making our (laughs) argument for us. And that's what's, that's what's probably one of the most frustrating parts about the democratic party is that, they could just knock everything out of the park. Like even they've got, it's gotten to the point where even 50 to 56% of Republicans support some form of Medicare for all. That was before the pandemic. Now that they've had free healthcare through the pandemic. No, I know some people got slapped with bills and, and they're, they're having to fight that, but it was supposed to be that any COVID treatment was free. Shots were free. Tests were supposed to be free. All mm-hmm. of that. Yeah. Congratulations. You now have had socialized medicine and we're mad when it went away. You know, that, that, that's one argument. You can't put that. We can't put that, that, that rabbit back in the box. So I'm excited about well, that. The people who will scream about socialism will complain their social security check didn't come on time. Or where's my Medicare? Bingo. <laughs> you know? Bingo. Mm-hmm. What I've been doing recently is, is actually engaging with a lot of conservatives and libertarians. And um, some of the the best kind of flipping their argument on the head things. You're that, washing your hands afterwards, right? Yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> uh, I work in a restaurant. I wash my hands all day, every day. So um, no, but so, like actually, that's what I love about what you all are doing is is it's we can't just write people off. Now there are some people that you are never going to reach, but if we don't try, we're never even going to reach the ones that could be reached. And so you know. Uh, full disclosure, both of my parents voted for Trump in 2016. Um, I know that they are not terrible people. I know that they are not racist. My mom actually said to me right before she voted, I just want somebody to this shit up. I'm tired. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of it. And what a lot of people don't talk about is the, the extreme overlap between Bernie voters and Trump voters. Um, not only from the 2016, but also the 2020 Um, and so I know that my parents are good people. I love them very much. I'm able to talk to them and going forward, they, they actually voted for Biden in 2020. So if I hadn't engaged with them, if I had just given up, if I had just written them off based off their 2016 vote, they wouldn't have come to where they are now to where my mom is now sharing Bernie things with me. So, Oh, did you see this article about Bernie? And I'm like, I love you so much. If we don't, but if we if I didn't engage, if I just writ, wrote them off as terrible people, as the basket of deplorables, then then we lose the opportunity to shift. And if we don't snatch them, if we don't grab them and engage with them, somebody else will, and and speak to the desperation and the suffering and the pain that they're feeling, and provide them with responses that are actually more destructive and and that are not solutions, rather than you know bringing them to the light and and showing them how we can we can help one another. And there's plenty to go around and there's plenty to do what we need to do in this country. And I think that's a good place to be. It's definitely not me. Uh, That is definitely more Matt and Kay. (laughs) 
Um, I punch Nazis. It, it absolutely but, is. Um, uh, but I, I think there's t- I think there's a place for both. And I think especially and again, it's easy for me as an outright outspoken uh, communist to, to go out and say this. But I think I'm not I'm not running for state assembly. I'm not running. for <laughs> office. And I think you can't have the attitude of, well, you know, if you're going to quote the, the 14 words then I'm going to knock your teeth out, like you can't have that as a politician because you have to be able to represent constituencies and you have to be able to give a shit up people you hate. And that's okay. And I think that's the thing is that this is where we need to have this coalition because yes, the right, the right is galvanized and they always will be, you know, the right is ruled by fear and hatred and ignorance. And those are gluing factors. And the left is ruled by, rejections of systems and critical thinking and that leads to lots of arguments and infighting and separation um Mm -hmm. because you actually give a shit about nuance and so and that changes things and i think that it needs to be one like you know we can't fall into that trap and i think it's the trap the right will especially always push is the well you know if you disagree about this one small thing we can't be friends we can't be allies like no no, we are allies again you know you and i may disagree a little bit on our handling of right-wingers but we agree on every single policy you want to enable. You know, you want to decriminalize drugs. You want to get people out of prison. You want to end the profiteering of human slavery. Yeah. I, 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 don't, I don't give a shit what I got to do to make that happen. Um, these you. are things that affect masses of people. And we are at, a, we, we've talked about this on the show. We are at a turning point yeah. um, where we are either going to accept that this is the fascist police state we want and we deserve and we're going to take. Or we're going to change it, but it's not going to get changed by voting blue, and it's not going to get changed by hoping Nancy Pelosi will save the day and other right. rich corporate dinosaurs mm-hmm. will come in and save you from fascists because that's not how it works. No. The only the only cure for this stuff is 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 actual human compassion, human empathy, and and left wing ideals of socialized government services. And that's you have to you have to put medicine in a wound. You know, right. you can't just hope it goes away. Right. And, and, and several points on that. And, and what's interesting is, is because I, when I disarm people by saying I'm nonpartisan and we're able to have that conversation, I've actually been able to convince. And one of my really good friends who's a conservative votes Republican, but she styles herself a Teddy Roosevelt Republican where she wants small government and to save the parks. Right. So but I've never been able to get her on board for Medicare for all until two months ago. And I've been friends with her since 2015. But I finally, and she, I finally got her on board because I finally found the the argument and the way the way to get through it. And so not everybody's going to spend that much time. This is just a very good, good, awesome person that I felt was worth it. But in 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 quick conversation, what I've been able to point out to people is, okay, you 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 want capitalism, you want you want the free market, then you should actually want universal health care because that will force the healthcare insurance companies to compete. Because I, I heard somebody say that, oh, well, uh, if you do single payer healthcare, that'll destroy market competition. No, it won't. It'll guarantee okay. that we've got somewhere else to go. So they will actually have to serve us. They will actually have to provide us better services to justify their money because they know we don't have to go there. They have yeah, to you can go to the hospital down the road instead of the one that's right next door because Absolutely. you're going to get better service there. 
and it's Absolutely. a bunk argument factually because every and not not just like well it wouldn't or you know we're in a possible future we can see this happening now all over the world you look at Canada you look at all over Europe you look at you know Finland Norway Sweden the UK anywhere pick a spot and all these nations that provide national health services and socialized medicine have robust and highly profitable private systems you live in the UK you have cradle to grave national health service it's actually pretty mm-hmm. damn good yeah. You also have Aetna. Like, yeah. You can absolutely pay out of pocket if you want top tier quality care. Right. And so there's there, there several misinformation campaigns baked into that with, oh, it's going to destroy private health care. It'll, it'll ban private health care. The, the, one of the worst ones is it'll destroy, um, it'll um, replace the VA, which is absolutely not true. And it'll actually help the VA. Another conversation with that is that again and you're a capitalist you want small businesses to thrive you want better you want a better more robust economy nobody works better than a healthy well-fed well-educated well-rested person you want maximum output let this person go home and sleep every night make sure that they can go to the doctor's office when they're sick make sure that they stay home when they are sick because then you're not going to deal with an entire office going out for the next week Right. Like these are in the business's best interest. So why are you fighting it? You really want to help small businesses. If we do Medicare for all, if we do CalCare in California, small businesses are no longer capped by the employment number where once you reach a certain number of employees, you're mandated by law to provide them health care. That is a significant like six, almost like a six figure jump for a small business to go from not providing anybody health care they don't just provide it to the two people that they increase, right? They have to then provide it to their entire company of people they've already been working. It's mm-hmm. a huge increase that a lot of people can't handle. If we provide them Medicare for all, they no longer have to worry about that. And then all that money they were paying for benefits or not paying or not growing, then they get to hire more people and grow. And I had a rancher, um, uh, Kayuma Lamb, um, the owner I, I met with, and she was sharing with me, and I hadn't heard this argument, another way it'll help businesses is it'll absolutely destroy in a good way the need for workers comp insurance and the cost of it because if everybody's got guaranteed health care if everybody's it's and it's affordable your cost of insure your risk goes down with the workers comp cost so that's another thing that is strangling businesses so if we, again republicans conservatives you want you want small businesses to thrive you want businesses to be able to do what they need to do and compete you're going to want cow care because it's going to make the healthcare companies compete. It's going to make the doctors compete. It's going to make everybody compete for your services because they're, you're not, you're no longer guaranteed to them by your employer. Yeah. And, and there's something that I feel it, there's almost like the summation uh, of a lot of what you propose. And I don't see it ever talked about on your Twitter. I don't see it discussed on your platform, which I find interesting because it all leads there is things like prison recidivism where, you know, you're talking about employment and free job training for people. You're talking about education for anyone. You're talking about decriminalizing uh, drugs. You're talking about housing as a human right, healthcare as a human right, you know, a wage tied to cost of living, not some arbitrary number like 15 that no longer is a living wage. Right. And what this, again, if, you know, to me, this screams like someone who's definitely trying to stop the recidivism of, of felons and trying to get yeah. people who have served their time back into society. But I don't see you talking about that. So I wanted to ask you, like, is that is that something that's part of, of your of your thought process and campaign? 
Absolutely. Um, so we're still working on uh, building out and expanding the platform. I've got several more um, chunks of sections that are going to be added. And then each of those bullet points, you're going to be able to click on them and it's going to expand. Um, we're working on building all that stuff out right now. So um, you're absolutely right. Um, I have not mentioned it because I was trying to keep that page just short and brief for the for the overview. But no, um, prison, not only not prison reform, but the reforming the way we operate and criminalize and, and, and penalize people. That's what needs to be reformed in the sense that no, I'm 100% going to, or I'm going to push for 100% abolishment of any for-profit prisons, juvenile and immigration detention centers in the state of California, because it, okay, even conservatives, fine. You say, oh, law and order. We need to be able to, if you do a crime, there has to be a punishment. Okay. Let's work with just that argument then why is somebody profiting off of it when our state has the capability to provide that service? Mm-hmm. Right. Absolutely. So I'm not arguing with you to let everybody out of prison. I'm just saying, let's remove the profit motive from it. The, where we have now learned that judges are getting kicked back for sending people to certain prisons. And that only stock is, in them. Right. Yeah. That, that as well, that as well, the double, the double corruption on that. So we can have these real conversations with people about, it's not about, you know, completely destroying this or completely removing that. Now, granted, I would love to work towards an absolute abolition of our carceral state. But again, working within it, we can still make huge, not moderate, not um, uh, not in moderation. We can still make huge steps towards making changes. We do not have to take baby steps and wait for 40, 20, you know, another 200 years before things change. But also so realizing that we can rapid reform. Rapid, absolutely rapid reform. So there's a Living Wage Act that's just been proposed. I don't know if you all have heard about it. It's literally called the Living Wage Act of 2022 for the state of California, where um, uh, it would take our minimum wage up to $18 an hour by 2026. We should be able to vote on it on the November ballot as citizens. So this is a, as a residence, this is a state ballot initiative. This is not something for the politicians, which those are my favorite. Um, and we can talk about that too, because that's my, that's my backup plan for my backup plan. But uh, I think that why, why does it need to be titrated up by the time we do that, by the time it's 18 in 2026, just like you talked about, we're already 15 is already too low for what we're dealing with now. Um, so this, this, this tailoring it out and this, oh, we need to expand and oh, we'll do this here and this here, even, and I'm, you know, huge, huge Bernie fan, but just like we, we talked about earlier, I can have disagreements with a person and disagree with certain decisions they make or certain actions they take without absolutely destroying and you know, uh, canceling the person, right? I still 100% support Bernie, but I did not think that his Medicare plan actually went fast enough, even with the most recent one where it was gonna be, you know, I was like, what? It's gonna be 20 years before it hits 20 year olds? Like, or more, like that's that's too long. Why, why are we, granted, yes, the, the, the more senior generation needs it sooner, but there's no need for it to take that long for us, for us to do this. Um, so no, absolutely rapid reform. And so with the with the not only the prison recidivism, um, and that's why I love that we restored voting rights to formerly incarcerated people here in the state of yes. California. Mm-hmm. That's why I know that that what I'm doing is going to resonate with people and that that we want it. We've we've raised the minimum wage to twelve dollars an hour. We legalized marijuana. We restored the voting rights to formerly incarcerated people and countless other state ballot initiatives. It's not the voters that are the problem. It's the legislators that are the problem. And I'm so tired of hearing, well, we'll just go vote. Or, oh, the voters aren't out there enough. Oh, you all aren't doing enough. No, the voters are there. 
Like I've heard time and time again by our congressional representative who refuses to get on board with Medicare for all that, oh, well, you all need to go create the support for it and then I'll vote for it. No, that is your job. That is absolutely your job to make sure that not only we know what the legislation is, but how we're going to benefit it and why you're going to vote for it. It's not God damn. repeatedly put it on us that, oh, you have to go generate the support and then I might vote for it. Get out of here with that garbage. I'm so tired of this, just passing the buck and, oh, it's not abdicating their responsibility at every level, whether it's your state, local representatives, all the way to the federal representatives. The fact that we have a federal minimum wage of $7.25, $7.50 right now is absolutely unacceptable. In 2008, in the state of Maryland, I was waiting tables for $2.75 an hour. Wow. That's incredible. I I mean, we've done an entire legal episode on that. The fact that that is legal today still is absolutely disgusting because it hasn't increased since then. Right. So this is, this isn't, this isn't, this isn't the 1900s we're talking about. This is in 2008. I was making legally 275 an hour. Now the justification, the argument for that is, oh, well, this is a tipped position. So you're going to make tips when you live in a poor community where people don't have any money because every, so they don't, there's no tipping. And so there were times where I would get a paycheck that said void because they taxed my check more than I made. Yep. That's it. So, yeah, I, uh, that's so, so you worked for free that, and, that week. And, and yeah. if you have health care tied to your employment, you can actually owe money. Yes. And yeah. you will end up having a check that is negative. Yes. They can absolutely do that to you. Um, and then, so that's, that's where I feel like the, the, the failure is. And people are like, oh, well, what, what, what can we do? Well, the federal government has responsibility to set the minimum standard. The states can go above and beyond like we're doing right now, raising ours, even though the federal government won't get it off its ass to do that. So the federal government has the obligation to provide the baseline for us. They're mm-hmm. the ones that should mandate nobody sleeps on the streets and then let the states figure it out. But the, that's our so our congressional and our federal representatives. They're like, oh, well, the state's got to do this. Yeah, that's fine. But you've got to put up a piece of a ballot. Or you've got to put up legislation that's going to force them until they're told. Um, I don't know if you all know about this. The, there was a, a state, uh, California Supreme Court um, mandated that L.A. actually had to house everybody on Skid Row. I have I, not heard this. I have not Go heard that on. That's amazing. They, they, Go it, on. Is, it is mandated that they have to provide. It's become such a health, a public health risk because it is um, that they mandated that this, the city of L.A. has to provide housing for everybody on Skid Row. So they're building That's a fantastic. they're building a complex. They're doing all these things, and so but Skid Row has been a problem since the sixties. The fit like yeah. it's, this yeah. isn't Much new. This than... didn't, right, this didn't just happen in the pandemic, but the pandemic really the only the silver lining I see of the pandemic, if there is one, is that it exposed the extent of the rot. We all knew this was here, but how many of us had five minutes to sit and watch what was happening? How many of us had five minutes to Google? are they legally allowed to do that? Like, right. Like how many of us had the time because we were so busy just struggling to survive that we couldn't mm-hmm. even look into or figure out what was happening. And the, the, our country's inability to provide us with masks, with PPE, with, to do our own vaccines, our failed manufacturing state by offshoring all overseas, all our jobs, all of it, all of it has been exposed. They, they can't say anymore. Well, oh, and they're trying to right now. They're trying to distract from it. Oh, Russia. Oh, China. Oh, this. Uh. I don't want another Cold War. I'm tired of this. We just got out of a hot <laughs> war. That we didn't even really get out of. 
you're right on the money. I mean, it, it's a it's a it's an absolute distraction game, and both sides are playing it. They're playing it differently, but they're both playing it. It's you know, again, the Republicans want to talk about blue collar work and manufacturing that kind of thing. But you don't see them talking about any solutions. They're just like, well, Biden has created a, a supply shortage. And it's like, well, no, we don't produce anything. Right. Like, Biden didn't create overseas. the supply shortage. The reason, yeah. the reason China gets goods to market faster is because it invested in its rail system. So they get more yeah. goods faster to market before they go bad. So they make more money off of it. Hello. Like, so that again, they're like, oh, we can't afford to invest in infrastructure. We can't afford to not invest in infrastructure. Like this, keep kicking the can down the road. We've been doing that for decades now. We've got dozens of bridges in the state of California that are failing and ready to collapse. And then they keep running on these mediocre, oh, we're going to put a Band-Aid here and a Band-Aid here. We are bleeding bleeding out. And then when they do, if they even do pass a bill, like what's happening with all our gas tax money right now? It's being siphoned by private contractors. It's going to, finally, finally I'm seeing roads being, being repaired, but you're a veteran like you know what it go what what, what the, the you know the infrastructure the cost the amount of energy that is not just wasted but even appropriately spent but whatever like you know what it takes to move massive amounts of people around and it's like well we don't have the money for this like we literally just said how many troops over to go protect our, our billionaire friends in ukraine so we can go fight russia for some stupid fucking reason like but it's we don't have oil. enough money for infrastructure we it's can't pay oil. a living wage Right. It's always about oil. It's about oil. foreign policy. It's always about oil. Oil, oil and oil, oil money it's power. And, and it's it's a political distraction because Biden's poll ratings are at what? Like 34% oh, yeah. something like we that. We joke so, it all year abysmal. long. Like when's, when's the war going to start? Because he's dropped below 30-something percent. Like, Absolutely. We've got to have a war. Absolutely. So there, there's that. Then there's also the you know the, the military-industrial complex. It's chomping at the bit since we pulled out of Afghanistan-ish. Not really. Um, you know, all that stuff. We no, spend it's a bigger chunk of our money on our military than North Korea does. North yes. Korea spends a bigger percentage of their national funds on their citizens than we do. And why yeah. are we the world's police? Like when, who, who put us in charge of that? Like, why does NATO even still exist? Like, what is all this? Why Ukraine doesn't even want us involved. Like, why are we inserting ourselves into conflicts and situations that have nothing to do with us? Again, why do we have why do we have eight hundred military bases? Oh, if any other country put a military base on our soil, we would consider it an act of war. But yep. we expect uh-huh. it to be not only tolerated, but them to praise us and give us rewards and free stuff for gracing them with our pollution and our toxifying their environment and our mistreatment of their of their of their local residents. And that's something Half of that our is nukes way are being held on foreign soil. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> talk about the two parties and he, look where it's it's heading right now i mean this issue with ukraine and russia i mean this was brought to a head by the biden administration no, sorry the, the obama administration with biden as vice president they're the ones yeah. who installed a fascist regime in ukraine and pissed off russia and you got the trump organization which is clearly in bed with both russia and ukraine right and right. then here we are biden who's getting in bed with ukraine again it's like it doesn't matter what party it is you know no. there's a reason why every time you look at these un votes right about ending the cuban you know blockade and things like that and it's like who's against it the us and israel and it's like why well, because israel funds most of our senators and it's right. like th- there's there's such obvious ties to money yeah. where this comes into and it's like there's clearly and again we know that the russian and, and ukrainian oligarchs are in charge and are providing oil and funds and right. money. We know this. They are they are the ones funding the parties. 
right? right? The Democratic and Republican parties don't have the war chest they have because of private citizen donations. No. It's corporate donations and foreign donations. Absolutely. And it's and it's clearly obvious and and I don't know what it takes to get people to snap out of this. Well, it's the best we can do. It's not the best we can do. It's literally the worst we can do. Right. We are we are one party away from a dictatorship. Right. No matter who's in charge, we've been at war both parties for the last 20 years. Right. So they can't say all oh, the Republicans this, all oh, the Democrats that Obama dropped more bombs on people than Trump and Bush did. Like, what? <laughs> so yeah. and right now, uh, Biden is deporting people. So no matter if, if no matter who's in charge, we're getting the exact same results. And so people like, again, like you said, that all oh, this is the best we could do. We're going to back this candidate, even though we know they're terrible. Well, why don't you back that other person over there? So here's and that's that that's where I come in. And that's what I'm trying to do is show people that we have a different option that we don't Mm -hmm. have to work in within the party system. Now, that can't happen everywhere in this country. We are very fortunate here in the state of California that we have now opened our primaries, number one, that we have a jungle primary, number two. So you do not need a party nomination to get on the ballot, nor do you have to win. You do not have to unseat the incumbent in the primary to make it to the general. You only have to come in second. So now I know that this can't happen everywhere. So people like screaming at Nina Turner, oh, you have to, you you can't run Democrat or we'll never trust you. Well, that's not viable in her state, right? So I think lobbying, you know, accusations at people unrealistically when there's not a system built in there for them to do that. You know, we have to understand, work within the system we have while we're trying to change it. Because so California, we have the benefit here. Well, if we start doing it here and we show the other states are like, hey, what are they doing? Why are they doing that? How are they doing that? That's when then we push it, right? So we do, we've already got those two things. We also are one of the only states that has voted for term limits. We have term limits in the state of California. Yeah. Okay. Yes, so, we do. you know, voters are already on, again, voters are already there pushing for these changes, needing for these things to happen, wanting for them to happen. We just need the legis- legislators there and the option to do so. So until there's a candidate running on the outside, especially to the left of a Democrat, then they're going to keep saying, well, we don't have any option. Well, now that you do have an option, what's the excuse? You know, I talk to people a lot about being disillusioned about voting because I'm the first one to say this two-party system's crap. Uh, I'm not going to vote for a Democrat because I don't vote for capitalists. And I think it's a fair assumption. They go, oh, we're just not going to vote. You're just giving it. Well, first of all, not voting is not voting for the fascist party, number one. But number two, you don't have to not vote. And I think that's Thank that's you. a big lie that we're yes. told is that like, well, if you're not going to support the Democrats or the Republicans, then then you're just not going to vote. And so hold on. I, I don't support the Democrats or the Republicans. And I vote every single election, local, state, federal. I am there at every election because guess what? You're voting against the sheriff. You get to vote down judges. You yeah. get to vote for assembly people. You get to vote for city council people. Like you get to vote for all kinds of. You're voting for the governor. You're voting for the state senate. And, There's and, all and kinds of measures and measures, ballot measures, funding. You decide so much. And it's like you can reject this oligarchic two-party system and still vote and make things matter because you don't have to vote for Joe Biden, but you can still vote for everyone else that you like and that represents you. And a third-party vote is not a throwaway vote. Again, I voted last president's election. Yeah, and I did not vote for Biden. I voted for the PSL candidate. Nice. You know, I voted for Gloria Lariva. She's amazing. Love her to pieces. She stands for everything I believe in. Was she going to win? No. 
but it doesn't matter because she won't win until people start fucking voting third party. Exactly. And you need to not look for the yeah. D or the R. Find a candidate whose platform you give a shit about and who actually speaks for you as a voter and put your damn support behind them. That's how democracy is supposed to work. We need to vote our morals, our, our values instead of who's got what letter next to their name. And yep. not, o- not only until we do this, but I can't remember. He's a talking head for, for media now, but he was in Democratic Party for a long time. He says the Democratic Party never has to listen to anything on the left because they know that we've got nowhere to go. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. accurate, man. They count yeah. on that. Right. And so until we step up and give people somewhere to go, we continue making that argument true. And so that's one of the reasons I'm running is nonpartisan. Beyond that, there's the fact that I'm, I'm what's terrifying me right now is right now is that even people who were ardently Bernie supporters who traveled across state lines to canvas for him are now saying very vocally, and they have a platform that electoralism is dead and we shouldn't be voting anymore. And I'm like, no, no, yeah. dear, no, that is the worst. The fact that we have gone as far right as we have with us voting, imagine if we weren't. We are the only anchor slowing down the rapid rightward swing. If we pull up Mm -hmm. that anchor, there's nothing stopping it, number one. Number two, if our vote didn't matter, there wouldn't be over 100 pieces of legislation nationwide trying to stop us from voting right now. They're giving away the game by trying to stop us. Number three, just like you said, it's even if you even if you say, all right, I'm not going to vote for the presidential, even if you do leave the presidential and the federal races blank, who is on your water board decides how clean your drinking water is, who is on your parks and recs division decides what parks get renovated, decide what schools get what fund, not schools, sorry, they decide what what parks and what what recreational facilities get funding, get built. The Coastal Commission. I mean, just all of this stuff. Right, and the measures, measures, money for dialysis, the Prop 22 that people got bought out on and the $22 million Uber and Lyft spent. They bought a ballot initiative because and it's not that one's actually not people's fault. That was intentionally extremely dubious language that confused oh, people. Yeah. I had yeah. in, incredibly intelligent friends. They're nurses. They were like, "Oh, I voted for that because I thought it was for the workers." So no, we we have to vote, even if you don't vote in the federal races. Vote in your the the local measures, the ballot initiatives, the the state and the local races. Just but voting just also, vote. but also yeah, not just, just get vote. involved. Just get involved, right? Because, and that's the other thing is we're tired of hearing, well, go vote. You should have voted blue. Like, I, that was, I was so disgusted when Texas went through their cold snap and people were tweeting, well, you should have voted differently. I don't give a shit how somebody voted. They do not deserve to freeze to death because their state has decided to prioritize profits over the safety and welfare of their people. You do not deserve to die because your politicians make bullshit. It, it wasn't just the people that voted for it. That were dying. Exactly. Not only that, yeah. like but even everyone the people who was did dying. Vote so, blue. right. Not only that, but even the people who did vote blue, their districts have been so gerrymandered and so watered down that their vote no longer doesn't actually doesn't matter in those areas. Not that all votes exactly. don't matter, but voting also isn't the end all be all because we're seeing right now. I voted my heart out for Bernie Sanders. We saw how that went, right? So that's mm. where. It's both and for me. It's not just a streets activism and organizing. It's not just a voting. We need to be in the streets, marching, organizing, agitating, being active, and going to the polls to vote as well. It's a both and 
because we need to put pressure on these politicians, but we also need to vote in politicians that are going to fight with us. Yeah, because people's lives are in the mix. Yep. Absolutely. Now, I know you're I know you're running, but before you go, sure. plug yourself. Like I know you know, because people who are in your district, obviously anybody who's in Ventura County, yeah, we need to vote. You know, if you're in, I'm I'm sad I'm out of your district by like eight miles. Oh wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he's, he's he's real close. Yeah, because you, you got it. Close. You got me. That's um, but so so if some but some so if someone's your district A and they want to vote for Daniel Wilson, which you should. Where can they go? And if someone's not, if someone's in Kentucky, if someone's in North Carolina, if someone's in Maine, where can someone go to sign things for you, to spread the word about you, to donate money to your campaign? Like, how can someone who lives 2,000 miles away get involved? Where, what's websites? Where can they go to help? Absolutely. So uh, my website is votefordaniel.com. So vote, F-O-R, Daniel.com. It's really easy. So it's an action and it's my name. So go to there really quick. Website is votefordaniel.com. On there in the top right corner is a bright yellow button. That's my contribution link. So that'll take you right to my uh, my contribution platform. You can follow me at all of my social medias at danielforvc, that big old thing right there. So all of my social medias are at danielforvc. Um, and so whether you're uh, contributing dollars, time, whether you're spreading social media posts, um, helping amplify our message, if you've got any people, any um, networking, any podcasts that you think we should go on, any way that we can help get our message, our word, and our name out there, um, that's really what we need. We are 100% grassroots funded. We're no, not taking any money from any insurance companies, any corporates, um, any fossil fuels, any big lobbyists, nobody. If it's not a person, then I'm not taking money from them. Um, so we need, as you know, that means that that, that we need dollars. And uh, so our, our opponent is taking corporate money right now. They're on the hook for at least five telecom companies, healthcare, the, our utility companies. Um, so they're rolling in the bank right now. So that is the best way you could help is either contributing funds or um, helping spread our awareness on social media and that like so that we can get more support. Absolutely. And guys, we are going to have uh, Daniel's links in the bio. They'll be there, but I just wanted to give you that. So if someone's just listening in the car, they can phone it real quick or whatever. Yeah. Um, so dude, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate yeah, it. You, uh, you've absolutely got to support again, anybody who's listening, if you are fed up with this two party bullshit and rich dinosaurs ruining everything going on, this is the kind of candidate you need to get behind. Show some love. Uh, so thank you for being here. We love you, dude. You're great. And for all the listeners, thank you for listening in. Please go check him out go to his website give him everything and we will see you here next week until then take care of yourselves take care of each other and remember the revolution is you